William Henley, who previously served as the Senior Vice President for Regulation at BITS, the Technology Policy Division of the Financial Services Roundtable, has returned to the FDIC, where he now helps to lead the regulatory agency's technology supervision branch. So what areas of technology and security will Henley focus on? And what is he expected to bring to the FDIC and the banks it oversees? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm joined today by William Henley, who shares thoughts about his new role and expectations for the future. William, your role with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation might be new, but you've worked as a regulator in the past. In fact, you left the Office of Thrift Supervision in the summer of 2010 to join BITS. What can you tell us about your previous regulatory experience? My previous regulatory experience, I can tell you, is that I joined the FDIC in 1989 as a bank examiner trainee in Houston, Texas. Uh, I worked as an examiner there in the Dallas region from 1989 to 1998 when I came to uh, headquarters here in Washington to work as a policy analyst in various roles, including spending some time in the capital market section, the policy section here in Washington, and finally uh, when they formed the technology supervision branch uh, around 2000, I was one of the initial staff members. I uh, left the FDIC to join the OTS as the director for um, IT risk management and spent uh, four years at the OTS. Yes. During that time, I had the opportunity to uh, chair the FFIC's IT subcommittee. So I returned to the FDIC with, uh, you know, having in the past spent over 20 years as a uh, regulator. Uh, I'm glad to be back where my career started. And then, William, what can you tell me about the FDIC's technology supervision branch? What does it oversee? Well, the technology supervision branch over, oversees three uh, sections within the Division of Risk Management the Applied Technology section, the Cyber Fraud and Financial Crime section, and the Information Technology section. The Applied Technology uh, section serves as the liaison between the Division of uh, Risk Management and our Division of Information Technology. So we manage the uh, division's portfolio of IT applications that support our core business functions. We ensure that the division is in compliance with the uh, various information security and privacy laws and regulations to which the uh, FDIC must adhere. We support the division's needs with respect to its internal and external websites, and probably most importantly, we work with the Division of Information Technology to ensure that uh, our examiners have the IT hardware and software needed to carry out their responsibilities. In other words, the tools that they need to work most effectively and efficiently. The uh, Cyber Fraud and Financial Crime section leads all aspects of fraud-related initiatives, including the establishment of regulatory policies and procedures, supervisory programs and examination techniques, examiner training related to financial crimes, and outreach to banking industry and the public. And some of the uh, primary initiatives of the uh, cyber fraud and financial crime section include serving as a clearinghouse for information related to fraudulent activities impacting financial institutions, developing educational resources and materials about uh, scams that target consumers, issuing special alerts regarding cyber fraud incidents and other fraudulent activity, and conducting background investigations in connection with applications submitted to the FDIC, such as uh, federal deposit insurance or notices of acquisition of control and applications subject to Sections 19 and 32 of the uh, Federal Deposit Insurance Act. Finally, the Information Technology section, where we seek to be the, uh, the leader in the effective supervision of insured financial institutions focusing on technology and operational risk management. We do this by supporting examiners in their evaluation of risk management practices related to information technology and operations. We also are involved in that section in the supervision of 
of uh, large technology service providers. Well, I'm so glad that you pointed out exactly what each of those different branches or sections focuses on because in your role, you oversee the applied technology, information technology, and cyber fraud and financial crimes sections. Can you tell me, William, is this a newly created position or are you stepping into a role that someone else had previously filled? The position was initially created in 2000, and uh, the current director of the uh, Division of Risk Management, Sandra Thompson, was the first leader of the technology supervision branch, and then she was succeeded by Michael Jackson, who uh, recently retired after 41 years of federal service. So I'm privileged to be the third associate director. Now, William, before taking this new role at the FDIC, you spent just more than a year with BITS. Why did you leave? As I mentioned, I started with the FDIC right after graduating from college, and so I had spent my entire professional career on the public side. When the opportunity presented itself to get some private sector experience, this was a, a, an opportunity that I couldn't pass up uh, working for the the Financial Services Roundtable, and um, actually spent almost two years. It was about a month short of uh, two years working there. The Financial Services Roundtable is an outstanding association that represents its members well. It just helped to round out my career and my abilities and experience, being able to um, to work with many of the institutions that I had supervised, now I'm uh, regulating and supervised once again, seeing how uh, the guidance and the regulation that we either draft or implement here at the FDIC, how it's received and how it affects institutions. It provided me with the opportunity, I think, to be a more complete regulator. So how do you expect your time with BITS to assist you in your new role? And you've touched on this a little bit, William, just talking about getting a different perspective, perhaps, from some of the institutions that you had once regulated. It helped me to see the effect on institutions to, that guidance and, and regulation can have. From the public side, personally, I know that at times I may have suffered from a little bit of myopia or been a little myopic. As regulators, uh, we regulate and we expect the industry to comply and just comply immediately. But uh, working on the private side and working with uh, the members of the roundtable, I was able to see that uh, the guidance and regulation have uh, immediate and clear uh, consequences for those institutions. For example, when a piece of guidance or a uh, regulation or a rule is issued and it's in the middle of the, uh, the financial year for an institution, the compliance may require the addition of staff. It may require the purchase of, uh, of equipment, hardware, or software that are expenses that may not have been and budgeted for for that year. Meeting the uh, the target dates for compliance may be much more difficult if there aren't dollars in the budget for those institutions. So I, I think I will understand that and be much more understanding, uh, sympathetic to those institutions that while they may be making plans to comply, that there may be real impediments, financial impediments that keep them from meeting certain deadlines. Yeah, that's a great point, William. And I wanted to ask a little bit about the technology focus that you took from BITS coupled with the regulatory experience that you've had in the past and now that, of course, you're building on now in your current role. When it comes to FFIEC examinations that are related to the updated authentication guidance, what are you hearing from examiners and institutions? What are you learning? The reports of examination are confidential, so I can't comment on, on specific institutions, but generally the expectation of, of the agencies has always been on that, is the recognition that from June to January was just uh, six months. But what the examiners were looking for were reasonable, good-faith efforts to conform to the updated guidance as quickly as possible. If there was evidence that once the guidance was issued that an institution began working on a compliance plan, even if they were able to recognize that um, 
you know, they started in uh, June or July of 2011, that they wouldn't meet uh, full compliance until after January 2012. We have instructed our examiners to really give uh, credit or allowances to those uh, institutions, particularly for the community banks that we supervise. And we're also recognized that community banks are particularly dependent upon technology service providers to help them conform to the updates and, and the authentication guidance. Many of the larger institutions were in conformance with the uh, guidance even prior to to January 1st, and those that weren't continued to work, and most of them were able to meet uh, that suggested date. But overall, we've seen that, that most of the institutions have taken the, the update to the guidance seriously and began developing plans to conform to the guidance. And what about some of the fraud trends that you're hearing about or that you're actually seeing out there in the industry? And some of these could relate to trends that were addressed in the update authentication guidance or just fraud trends generally. What trends concern you the most, William, and how do you see financial institutions addressing some of those trends? I'd say the use of uh, blended threats concerns me the most. For example, uh, criminals using uh, social engineering to convince someone to do something that leads to the installation of uh, uh, malicious software or malware on, on their systems. Uh, this could be uh, customers' computer systems, as we've seen with the rash of corporate account takeovers in the recent years, or it could be target at the senior officials at an institution. The cyber criminals are very good at collecting publicly available information about people and then using it to spearfish or target emails or phone calls or on uh, social networking websites to convince people or to trick them into installing malware or giving up uh, their credentials. Banks are addressing this concern by uh, strengthening authentication and making it harder for cyber criminals to uh, spoof login credentials. And they're also improving uh, monitoring tools that look for indications that uh, fraud might be happening. Now, as the Associate Director of the FDIC's Technology Supervision Branch, which we discussed a little bit earlier, I suspect that you'll be closely involved in a number of regulatory initiatives that touch on everything from cybersecurity to emerging technology enhancements. William, what can you tell us about expectations you have for upcoming regulatory oversight, especially where cybersecurity initiatives are concerned? Well, this is an area that's important and receiving attention at the highest levels. Uh, no doubt you're aware that, uh, that uh, this administration, uh, Congress, the financial and technology industry leaders, academia, and others are all looking at how to best uh, legislate cybersecurity. But I'm hopeful that this ongoing discussion about the issues leads us to a place where we end up with appropriate, well-thought-out framework that's not onerous and difficult to comply with. And then what about emerging technologies and services such as mobile banking and payments or even cloud-based financial services? How is the FDIC watching and monitoring those types of technologies and services and transactions? That's an excellent question, uh, Tracy, and this is an area that I'd like to give a little uh, attention to. The FDIC and really the, the banking uh, regulators in general, that we want to move from a control-based oversight to a governance-based oversight. So uh, what I mean by that is, we don't want to constantly be chasing the newest technology and coming out with a specific uh, checklist or set of rules or uh, standards for each technology that comes because, you know, we'd be constantly reactive and it's uh, very difficult to keep up as the dynamic nature of technology uh, changes come more and more frequently. But a, a governance-based oversight is uh, we want to focus on the risk management and the decisions that bank management, the board of directors, and the senior executives at, at each institution that they make, how they're able to support the decision to invest in these new technologies or deploy these new technologies. So have they identified the risk and uh, addressed these risks in, through a mitigation strategy and uh, that they've deployed individually in each institution? Because with, uh, with these technologies, there's generally not a one-size 
one-size-fits-all architecture or solution. But if we get the word out to our examiners and to the institutions that uh, governance is where we really want to look and uh, that they take into account the, uh, the risk as, in addition to the benefits, whether it be you know, cost reduction or expanded markets, they look at those risks and they've identified and mitigated those risks. That's really what, what we're looking at, regardless of what the technological development may be, whether it be mobile, cloud, and on and on. Yeah, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about the FFIC conformance and some of the concerns there. And, of course, the FFIC's updated authentication guidance has been top of mind. But then there's also the newly released guidance on cloud computing. Are there any additional guidance expectations for which institutions should be bracing or are there any updates or policies your office is currently reviewing that you can tell us about? With cloud, it, you know, it's not guidance. It's an informational document. But it's not guidance. It's an informational document. Where uh, an institution would want to go to would be the outsourcing booklet, uh, which is contained within the FFIC's um, IT examination handbook. And then we've talked a little bit about mobile banking risks. But are there any areas of concern or any places that you're hearing about from institutions where you think they need the most help or guidance? Well, you know, the evolution of mobile financial services is transforming the way that uh, consumers interact with their bank. It is an area that all of the banking regulators are monitoring closely across all supervisory uh, disciplines. At this time, we've made a distinction between mobile banking, which we define as the use of a, a mobile device to conduct traditional banking activities, and mobile payments, which is the use of a mobile device to initiate a, a payment to a business or another consumer. Now, the marketplace for mobile banking services is well-established and uh, offered in one form or another by many banks. Now, the FDIC uh, recently discusses many of the issues surrounding mobile banking in our Supervisory Insights Journal, which is available publicly at the FDIC website. Since most FDIC-supervised banks are likely to, to depend on uh, third-party technology service providers to develop their own mobile banking applications, vendor selection and oversight are a key component of managing mobile payment risk. We expect banks to work with reliable, knowledgeable, and reputable vendors and to uh, manage these relationships accordingly. The mobile payments marketplace, on the other hand, is a rapidly changing and, and continues to evolve. It seems like virtually every day there's some new major product announcement or initiative that claims to fundamentally change how people will pay for goods and services. But at this time, the FDIC is monitoring developments in the mobile payments marketplace to identify any potential issues that may impact the banking system. And then, William, before we close, what final thoughts would you like to share with our audience about expectations and or initiatives you have and plan to spearhead over the course of the next 12 to 18 months? Well, my expectations and initiatives over the, uh, the next 12 to 18 months is to uh, continue collaboratively working with uh, my colleagues and counterparts at the, uh, the other federal banking agencies and uh, also with the, the state banking agencies. That's uh, one area that, um, that we're particularly proud of, and uh, we recognize the comments from, from the industry is that we, we want to avoid uh, regulatory burden or, or duplication of efforts. So particularly on the, um, the IT or the operations risk side, as we work uh, closely with the members of the FFIEC and our coordination of uh, the, the handbook and any uh, guidance pieces that we issue. Also, to uh, make sure that our examiners and in working also with our, our colleagues, but all IT examiners are well-trained and uh, the best examiners to, uh, to identify IT and operations risk in the institutions that, that we supervise. William, I want to thank you again for your time today. 
Tracy, once again, thanks for the invitation. It's always uh, always a pleasure to uh, to talk to you and to, to your audience. Again, we've just heard from William Henley of the FDIC. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.